Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is session three of the Book of Proverbs, which is one of the sections of the Poetic Book series. You may recall that there are several books of poetry, five to be exact, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon in the Old Testament. The Book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, and its primary author is King Solomon. Its main themes are the fear of the Lord, the retribution principle, which we discussed last, which has to do with the rewards for right living and the punishments for doing evil, then human speech, which is the theme of today, and last, human sexuality. Let's begin this part on human speech by listening to what Proverbs has to say about the power of words. In fact, we could say that the verse that touches off the entire portion of this section of Proverbs, human speech, is chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What a powerful, powerful claim that is, that you could literally say something to someone that would mean life for them. Proverbs 25, 11 and 12 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Can you picture a little 24 karat gold solid apple with a beautifully polished, shiny exterior? And then can you compare that to something that you could say to someone and understand that what you said to someone could actually come out as being more valuable and more important than that piece of gold. That verse goes on to say, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Someone that's willing to hear what they should correct can receive those constructive criticism words graciously like it was a gift. Proverbs 20.15, there is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. So that's extending the idea we've already looked at a little further. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. In a time when White sugar was not available, and fruits were fairly sweet. The gold standard for sweet was honey. And so the ultimate dessert would have honey in it or just be honey itself. And the author here says that really good words, gracious words, are that sweet and that healthy for the body. Proverbs 15, 23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good it is. So whatever instruction or encouragement or explanation you need, if you can receive that at the right time, it's literally a joy. Proverbs 12, 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So again, this first section is on the power of words, 
And a good example of that would be the story in 2 Kings 5 of how a little slave girl, a Jewish girl who had been kidnapped by Syrians who had invaded the northern kingdom of Israel during the time of the prophet Elisha, saying to her female master regarding her female master's husband, who was the captain of the guard, Naaman, she was aware that her master had leprosy, and that was a death sentence in those days. It was a very difficult thing to slowly die of this horrible bacterial infection for which there was no cure, and people would typically lose parts of their fingers or toes or maybe the tip of their nose or part of their ear, and they would be ostracized because it was communicable. And so there was really nothing that this powerful and rich man could do. And the little girl who was the slave in his home who knew about the word of God and the prophet Elisha made a simple statement. She said only two sentences that are recorded. If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, and she's talking about Elisha, he would cure him of his leprosy. Well, that was enough to start a chain of events that led to Naaman actually getting instructions from Elisha the prophet that he should go and dip seven times in the River Jordan. And when he finally humbled himself and did so, he was made well. Well, we can talk about how wonderful it was that he had faith or that he was willing to dip in the Jordan or that Elisha was willing to do this for him. But we have to go back all the way and remember that it started with the words of the girl. So bottom line, these were apples of gold and pictures of silver for Naaman, the captain of the Syrian host, and they meant life to him. Now, before we go on and look about what Proverbs has to say on the types of words that are wise, we should balance all of this talk about the power of words by looking at something Proverbs has to say about how words can be futile. There is a verse in Proverbs 14.23 that says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So the idea here is that, yes, words are important, but they're not the end-all and be-all when action doesn't back them up or when they are a substitute for actions that should have been taken. In fact, Proverbs 24.12 says, Don't excuse yourself by saying, Look, we didn't know, for God understands all hearts and he sees you. He who guards your soul knows you knew. He will repay all people as their actions deserve. That's the New Living Translation of Proverbs 24.12. But the point is, excuses, talk, and no action, that doesn't go anywhere. And so words can sometimes be futile. But having said that, we still want to go back and emphasize that there are many verses in Proverbs that talk about the power and healing and importance of good words. And the first of the categories of wise words would be honesty. 
Proverbs 16, 13, righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. Well, this is not a newsflash. We all know that the Bible says that we should speak the truth, but sometimes we need to be reminded because we find ourselves slipping a little bit or excusing certain kinds of words that aren't the full and whole truth. Proverbs 19, verses 5 and 9, both sound very similar. One says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. And then the next one, verse 9, says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. Well, this goes back to the retribution principle that we looked at in the last session, where the scriptures really do bear out that there is an overarching concept of punishment for wrongdoing, even in this life, as a general rule. Uh, Proverbs 12, verses 19 and 22, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. I don't want to do anything that the Lord labels an abomination. And so when he says that we need to speak the truth, we should take that really, really seriously. Proverbs 17, 4, An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. This brings up the important concept that communication is about more than speaking. It doesn't take place until... The message has been heard and understood. And so sometimes people that speak lies associate with people who like to hear lies and then pass them along. And the context for that is usually gossip, which is sometimes also called slander. Proverbs 10:18, the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. So how do you know what actually constitutes slander or gossip? Well, it's unnecessarily bad-mouthing someone in a way that isn't balanced. Proverbs 20, 19, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Even if what you are saying about someone is technically true, if it's not balanced, it can be like a falsehood. You can think about your own character, and probably deep down in your heart, you know yourself well enough that you could make a list of 10 or 15 faults that you have. Now imagine if someone you knew talked about those 10 or 15 faults of yours to someone else that didn't know you, and that's all they said. They didn't say anything good you'd ever done, they didn't balance it with the rest of the good things about your character. And then they could say, well, actually these things are true, but the impression that the listener would have of you would be so totally skewed that it really would not be honest. Proverbs 11, verses 12 and 13 says, It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. 
there is a story, a Jewish fable or tale. In fact, it's been published for children under the name Feathers in the Wind about a man who spoke badly about his rabbi. And later he felt bad about the gossip that he had done and he went and asked his rabbi for forgiveness and his rabbi agreed to absolve him but he said first I want you to take this feather pillow all of these feathers in this pillowcase and go up to the top of a hill on a windy day and release the feathers and so the man thought well that's not a very hard job I can do that I'm getting off kind of easy and so he did take the pillow to the top of the hill and release all the feathers into the wind. Then he came back and asked the rabbi, okay, now will you forgive me for gossiping about you? And the rabbi says, well, there's just one more thing you need to do. Now take that pillowcase and go gather up every single one of the feathers and put them back in. And the man said, well, that's not possible. You know they've scattered to the four corners of the earth. I wouldn't be able to find them or put them back. And the rabbi explained, well, you see, that's the way it is with gossip. Once you tell something, it takes on a life of its own and goes where you don't know and does damage that you don't even anticipate. So perhaps we could institute a, a speech test, which has often been repeated, before making the decision to badmouth someone. Is it true and then is it fair? In other words, is it balanced? Is it in context? And then finally, is it necessary? You know, William Shakespeare was quoted as saying, who steals my purse steals trash, but he that fetches from me my good name robs me of that which enriches him not and makes me poor indeed. And so it's possible to do great damage to someone's reputation. Perhaps we could even say that that's a form of murder of the soul by simply using words because words are powerful. So the point is, one of the important aspects of wise words is to be determined to always be honest. The second of the categories of wise words that we find mentioned often in the book of Proverbs is that of brevity. In other words, saying as little as possible and then in some cases saying nothing at all. Proverbs 17.28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. And there's, in fact, even an old saying that goes, a wise man once said nothing. How true that is. We can stop arguments if we simply stop speaking. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 17, 27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. So I'm reminded of the trial of Jesus 
after he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and during the night he was brought before Pilate and Herod. Over and over, he was asked if he had a defense for the lying accusations that were cast at him. And in every case, he either said nothing or was extremely brief. So if they said, tell us, are you the son of God? He might say, it is as you say, or he might simply say nothing at all. Proverbs 10, 19, when words abound, transgression is inevitable, but the one who restrains his words is wise. That's a bold statement to say that if you talk a lot, you can be virtually guaranteed that there's going to be sin in there somewhere. Well, if we don't want to sin with our mouth, perhaps we could talk a little less. We don't need to fill all the spaces. Even the shyest among us probably on some occasions are tempted to say too much. Proverbs 26.20, for lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. We were already talking about gossip in the category on honesty, but it also fits here in this category on brevity. The less we say, the less fuel that we give to this flame that can go around destroying people's reputations. So, Honesty and brevity are two of the categories that are mentioned often in Proverbs about wise words. The third category is that of gentleness. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. You know, Sometimes it's not that what we need to say is bad. It's just that we find too harsh of a way to say it. If you needed to walk where someone was standing, you could either say, you idiot, get out of my way. Or you could say, would you please excuse me, dear? Both of those are basically calling on the person who is standing in the space to step aside but one is gentle and one is harsh. Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And the surprising verse about gentleness can be found in Proverbs 25.15. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. You would think that a soft tongue wouldn't be able to accomplish much of anything at all. But we're not talking here about becoming a Casper milk toast and having no spine. We're just talking about knowing how to be gentle, knowing how to be diplomatic, knowing how to say things in such a way that the good that needs to be done gets done. There's an Aesop's fable that's titled The North Wind and the Sun, in which the wind and the sun get into a fight about which of them is the stronger. And while they are arguing about this, a man is passing along the road and he's wearing a coat. So the sun looks down and sees the man and he tells the wind, 
Let's agree then that whichever one of us is stronger can strip that traveler of his coat. So the north wind agreed and he took his turn first and he began to blow a cold howling blast against this passerby. So the first gust of wind causes the man's coat to flap around his body, but he wraps it more closely around him. So the wind blows harder and harder, and you can see it kind of fall back on his shoulders, but then he picks it up and brings it closer. Well, the north wind tore at his coat, but it didn't make any difference. He couldn't get the coat off of the man. So then it got to be the sun's turn, and he started to shine, first with gentle beams, and then it became more and more pleasant after that bitter cold from the wind. So finally, the walker unfastens his coat, and it hangs a little loosely from his shoulders. Well, you know how this ends. The sun's rays get warmer and warmer, and the man takes off his hat, and he mops his forehead, and then finally... He becomes so heated that he takes his coat off. And then to escape the sun, he sits down in the shade of a tree by the roadside. Well, that's the whole story. But the moral of the story that comes at the end of this Aesop's fable is gentleness and kind persuasion when where force and bluster fail. That's what Proverbs 25.15 is trying to say. With patience... A ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. So again, we've looked at honesty and brevity and gentleness as three of the categories that are mentioned in Proverbs about wise words. And then the next category is that of thoughtfulness. And by that, I mean carefully thinking through what you're going to say before you say it. Not necessarily saying nothing or making it extra short, not brevity, but making sure that you know what you want to say. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of the righteous ponders. That's an important old-fashioned word, ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. In other words, it's the opposite of being rash and reacting quickly, thinking things through. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So sometimes when there's a difference in the power between two people, maybe it's a parent and a child, or a teacher and a student, or a boss and an employee, or maybe there's a marriage where one of the partners has more power than the other. People know how to push each other's buttons and they know what they could say that would be especially damaging or hurtful. And we sometimes call this verbal abuse. But these words from Proverbs 12:18 are right. Those rash words can be like sword thrusts. And sometimes, if it's a person that you care about, if you're rash, maybe you flippantly say something to a teenager that you're irritated with, or uh, a spouse, and then you go back and feel bad because you know that it 
hit them where it really hurt, but they've already been said and the wound has already been made. And so even if you say you're sorry, it can't unspeak the words that were so very damaging. Proverbs 12, 18, once again, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 18, 13, he who answers a matter before he hears the facts. Now here we're talking about more rash speaking. It is folly and shame to him. Sometimes we think we know what the other person's going to say, and we won't even let them finish because we have an answer. That happens all the time in court. People have to be told to be quiet, and the judge has to bang the gavel on the bench so that people will come to order because they are full of emotion and they want to speak rashly instead of carefully thinking things through. Proverbs 12, 13 and 14, An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good. That sounds again like the retribution principle that we talked about before. And the work of a man's hand comes back to him. In other words, words can bring harvest. And when you have to eat the fruit of the words that you spoke, then it strongly motivates us to plant good seeds, to plant good words. So we've talked about honesty and brevity and gentleness and thoughtfulness. Proverbs 18.20, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. To sum this all up then, perhaps we could go back to the book of Psalms at something that King Solomon's father, King David, said regarding words in a prayer. He said to God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19:14. Words are powerful. Use them carefully. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please pass it along. 